All right. Good morning, folks. It's great to have you here this morning. I want to encourage you to come in and then grab a seat and settle down. And uh, if you're out in the foyer, Curtis, man, secure, yeah, there you my dad's, uh-oh, my dad's in getting out there. He's, they're in, yeah, see, I told you, they're in big trouble now. Anyway, well, hey, this is always a, a privilege for us to um, come together during an equipping uh, hour for something special, and uh, someone uh, suggested a great idea, I thought, uh, earlier this morning to me, that uh, we have these times where we interview people to get to know people, typically, that's why we come together or to celebrate um, International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church or things like that. But somebody suggested that, you know what, it's, as our church continues to grow and, and we get more new people, uh, that it might be good to, to have some time like this just to get to know the elders better. Uh, because, uh, you know, it seems like not everybody knows who all the elders are. Uh, they're kind of uh, humble, stay-behind-the-scenes kind of guys, a lot of them. And so uh, if you don't know who they are, uh, you might never get a chance to meet them. So um, I thought that was a good idea, don't you think? that maybe we spend some time um, giving, a, giving them a chance to share their hearts a bit and so you guys can feel more uh, comfortable about who in, the, who in the world is leading this, this ship, you know, who's driving this thing, you know. Um, anyway, so uh, maybe we'll do that here sometime in the, in the near future. But anyway, this morning uh, we have the privilege of uh, getting to know our new Minister of Music and Media. And uh, we've, this is something that we've been praying about and uh, anticipating uh, as, uh, as we uh, had the privilege of sending out Blake, even though that was hard, it was the right thing to do, and uh, hopefully we were all uh, kingdom-minded in that, and uh, Blake never belonged to us, uh, he belongs to the Lord and, and to his church, and so if, he, if the Lord felt like uh, it, was, it was time for him to go uh, be transplanted to another part of the vineyard where he could um, bless another church in the same way he's blessed us, uh, then so be it. God reigns. And uh, so uh, we, we submit to his will in that, not our will, but your will be done. And so uh, as we begin to um, uh, think and pray about the future and who in the world is ever going to be able to fill the, the shoes of Blake boys, right? And that was a challenging thought for me anyway, and uh, kind of a scary thought for me at times. And uh, so uh, we just began to pray together as elders and, and uh, as pastors and, and uh, began the search and uh, started uh, uh, working the system and, and the network, if you will. And um, by the grace of God, we've, we, we've never had to use, um, you know, the typical uh, websites where you go on and find people and post your thing on a website to find some guy to fill a pastoral position here at Lakeside because the Lord's just given us a lot of neat connections around the country. Um, just with different uh, friends and, and, and pastors and uh, fellow seminarians and things like that and guys that we've ministered to, uh, ministered with uh, over the years. And so uh, just kind of start calling. And uh, so we started calling around and, and uh, beating the bushes and see what was going to happen. And um, I think I shared this with you earlier. I was sitting in my office on a Wednesday afternoon um, and just uh, this was in uh, the end of, of February, and and uh, some of the 
opportunities that we had 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 already come and gone in the sense that we just realized they weren't the right fit. Uh, after looking at them, getting to know them better, it just they, that wasn't they weren't meant for Lakeside Bible Church. And so I was like, Lord, uh, we need uh, we need a guy. <laughs> and uh, and and honestly, we were um, anticipating this could potentially be a long, hard search, like maybe months, maybe years, even because this is in some ways the hardest position to fill in a church. Um, at least to find the right guy who's doctrinally like-minded and uh, philosophically like-minded and isn't going to take your church down a, down a road you don't want it to go because, let's face it, the guy who leads the worship is, is, uh, is up front uh, second only to, to me, to the pastor. So he has a great influence over the direction of a church, right? So you got to be really careful who you put in that position. Um, and so anyway, I was just sitting there in my office and, and I was just kind of running through my mental Rolodex, who are guys that I you know, know of that have been involved in music ministry over the years. And, and, and the Lord brought to my mind a guy named Chris Delagula. And uh, he was a guy that uh, I knew back 20 years ago when he was uh, a student in, in the high school ministry at Grace Community Church when I was the high school pastor. And uh, towards uh, his senior year, I think it was, we had asked him if he would be willing to lead the worship for the, for the entire student ministry on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And he did a great job. I just remember as a, as a student, uh, just, he was just a godly guy, just a real passion for Christ and, and a gifted musician. And he did a great job for a young guy leading his peers, if you will, uh, in worship. And so uh, I had bumped into him from time to time. Uh, over the last 20 years and, and uh, knew that he was, um, had a band that they were trying to make it big, go to Nashville, and uh, that never really happened. And then he was uh, producing some of his own music and, 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 and uh, you know, had, had got, got a copy of one of his albums. Somehow it trickled this way. All the way to Texas, I got a copy of that. And, and, uh, and so, um, uh, but really had no contact and had no way to contact him. So I started stalking him on Facebook, honestly. It's like first time... In my entire life, I ever stalked somebody on Facebook, but I had no other way to get in touch with this guy, so I just kind of tried to find his website and his Facebook thing, and then, then I sent him a message. I've never sent a message on Facebook. I, I didn't know how to do it. I was like, okay, I think this is where I do it, and, and I hit send thinking, okay, we'll see what happens, and next thing you know, he emailed me back because he probably figured I'm an old guy, and so just in case you don't ever check your Facebook, I'm going to email you, and I was like, oh, thank you. Um, so he emailed me back with his phone number and, and, and things, and so we were able to uh, touch base over the phone. I said, hey, I'm coming out to the Shepherds Conference and love to, to get together with you and catch up with you, and hey, let me just be real up front. We're looking for a music minister, and God brought you to my mind, and uh, I'd love to talk with you, kind of see where you're at uh, in life and ministry and uh, reconnect with you and Kirsten and just see you know, what the Lord might have for us. And so we got to get together at Shepherd's Conference and, and just share uh, kind of what we're, where we're at as a church and get to hear where they're at. And in the providence of God, this is kind of cool, uh, it, it's, hard, it's, it's hard to not try to um, interpret the providence of God as it's happening. You want to say, oh, look at this and all these connections, and you want to try to interpret and act like, right, but you really don't know until after it happens. Right, that's that's the only safe time to interpret the, the problems of God until and after it happens. But um, when when I initially emailed Chris, 
uh, I told him we were looking for a, a worship guy, and he uh, responded back in his email. He said, Ken, uh, Kirsten and I, after uh, several months of praying and conversing and getting counseling, uh, we just uh, decided um, that we that God, that we're going to start pursuing a full-time position in music ministry in a local church. And uh, I was like, whoa, goosebumps, you know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. So you're just like, okay, um, let's see what's up. And so uh, anyway, um, just when he expressed his heart of wanting to uh, be at a local church where he could serve the Lord with his musical gifts and, and shepherd a team of people who would who would lead a body in worship. It was just so, I mean, you couldn't have, asked, I mean, you couldn't have written um, the answers any better. Um, in fact, one of the elders accused me of writing the answers to his application questions um, because he was very like-minded in, in the way he, he, he answered so many of our questions. Um, and by the way, did you guys get that email? How many of you guys got that email? Do you, do you email, church, church emails? You don't just go, oh, Lakeside, eh, delete, <laughs> junk box, junk mail. Uh, hopefully, you know, sometimes I'm like, this is epic. I got to share my heart. And like the best way to do it is an email. So please don't just delete those things. But how many actually read it? You got it. How many actually read it? Oh, thank you. That's encouraging. Were you able to click on those links and things? Okay, so good, good. So if for some reason you missed that email or you didn't know how to open the attachment, like some of you probably don't know how to do that, it's okay. We have uh, some copies of Chris's application uh, back there uh, along with his philosophy of music ministry that he wrote just for us, by the way. Um, as he was filling out that application, he was like stirred up and inspired. I need to write my, a philosophy of music ministry. And so he did that as well. So if you missed that, it's on your computer. If you, if you got the email, you can just look at it online there. If not, grab a copy in the back. Um, but I really encourage you to read through the answers, um, Chris's answers to that application. Just some questions that we asked to get into a guy's heart. And, um, and then, of course, his, his philosophy of music ministry is, is uh, really, really well done. And, and then hopefully you got to click on that little link that we put there where you could uh, see that little YouTube video where he was expressing his heart about the album that he had just recently produced with his guys and and uh, then click on some of those songs where you could hear some of the songs he's written. And um, so, and that guy that sounds like, uh, who's your favorite singer, that guy with that deep voice? No, not Third Day. The, the guy you always want to go see in concert. Josh Groban? You've never told me you want to go see Josh Groban in concert. No, the, the, the Christian singer that you always say, I want to go hear him. I like his heart. And I never can remember his name. Nope. All I'm saying is, ju- ju- yeah, so anyway, the guy that sings with Chris, the kind of the main vocalist guy, sounds like that guy. That's all I was trying to say. I mean, all that, that was a rabbit trail. Chris doesn't sound like that guy, but this, the guy who sings with Chris sounds like that. That was a sidebar. Anyway, let me know what, uh, when you come up with that guy's name, because it's bugging me now, all right? So, so anyway, uh, we, we had the privilege of uh, in, inviting um, Chris and Kirsten here uh, last month, as most of you know, and uh, we spent the weekend together, uh, tried to get him um, exposed to as many different groups of people in our church as possible. Jeremy Camp, thank you. So, yeah. No, that's not you, but that's Dave. Dave sounds like Jeremy Camp. So anyway, um, God, we got that sorted out. 
But we had Chris here and was expo- you know, got him with some la- the Lampladder crew and, and some of the young marrieds and some of the middle, uh, uh, the, what do you call you guys, you uh, half-timer folks and stuff. We're just trying to get him with a bunch of people and get him a feel for uh, who we are as a church. And then we wanted to get a feel for them as a couple and see if just our personalities clicked and uh, it was a good fit. And, and so uh, we, we thoroughly enjoyed our time with them as elders and uh, really, um, I think most of all, you know, we, we knew Chris was doctrinally and philosophically like-minded. We, we knew that he was musically uh, gifted um, and, and was, was leading um, more of a contemporary blended style of, of worship uh, in, in all the venues he was doing that. But I think the thing that jumped out to us the most or resonated with us the most when he was here was just his humble, sincere uh, servant, servant's heart, and uh, that was very attractive to us, very uh, much of a, a blessing to us. And so, um, after we after they went home, we just uh, started praying about it as elders and called all of his references. And he had a tremendous um, got, got some had some tremendous references. Just you know, I guess just this is one encouraging tribute to you guys. This is the grace. This is an evidence of God's grace in your guys' lives. I asked all five of your references. Um, hey, is there any areas that, that I might have an opportunity to shepherd them in, um, you know, help them grow, mature, fill up where they're lacking in their faith? In other words, what's their weakness, right? What, what are some areas that we need to know about that we're going to... And, and there was always this long pause. So, I mean, either they don't really know you or... No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, but, but that was... That, that was a blessing to me um, that there was this long pause and they had to really like think about, oh, well, let me see. And they had like, it almost got the sense they were trying to make up stuff bad about them because they couldn't think of anything, you know, and they didn't want to have, uh, they had to have some, some weaknesses. They're not Jesus, right? They're, they're, they're not perfect. So anyway, but that was a huge encouragement um, and, and just really, again, an evidence of God's grace in your guys' lives. We know you're not perfect, but... It seems that uh, you've been a tremendous blessing to those that, that know you and that you've ministered to and with over the last uh, 15, 20 years. And, um, and so, uh, and, 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 and just so you know, this may seem to some of you unorthodox in that you're thinking, well, you hired this guy and, and he, he never led worship here. At, you never saw him lead worship at Lakeside. We, you, you know, well, we, we, we didn't want to turn it into American Idol. Where he, he does this thing on a Sunday morning, we're like, okay, text in your vote and, and let us know what, what you think, right? Because at the end of the day, that's not what matters, right? We're confident that, that, that God has gifted him. This is what he's been doing for 15 years behind the scenes, kind of flying under the radar, if you will, at Grace Community Church, this huge church um, filled with tons of musicians, uh, gifted people, and... Uh, and, and because of his musical style uh, being more contemporary, not necessarily ever going to be the guy up on stage at a church that's more traditional in their hymns and choir and orchestra and things like that. So he just kind of faithfully served under the radar uh, in fellowship groups, which are like our equipping classes, and all of them have a little praise time before the teaching time. They've got, they have a whole hour and a half, so they have time to sing and worship and, uh, and other things like that. So uh, that's really been Chris's thing. So the point was, we, we, we know the guy can do it. He's been doing it. Uh, and uh, and, and I, I just thought, hey, if the guy, if he, if he was good in high school, why wouldn't he be good 20 years later, right? He's only gotten better. Um, and so we're, we're just uh, so 
thankful for, for, for the confidence that we had. And hopefully, hopefully you guys appreciate that, that we made the decision not based on giftedness per se, but hopefully godliness and like-mindedness, right? That's, that's what really matters. And, uh, and so um, anyway, um, this morning we just wanted to get a chance to um, give you guys a chance to hear Chris's heart a bit. Um, and so, Chris, I'm going to invite you to come on up here and, and have a seat with me. And I told Kirsten we wouldn't make her come up here because we love her. And but she's know a better, she better looking one. So, Well, I just didn't want to put her up in front because I could tell she doesn't like that. She likes <laughs> to be right there, kind of behind the scenes. So anyway, Chris, why don't you uh, start by just giving us um, just kind of the cliff note version of your testimony, how you came to know Christ as your, as your Lord and Savior, kind of maybe quick uh, life story, born, raised, and then how you came to know Christ. Sure, sure. Uh, and before I do that, just thank you so much again for your hospitality. You know, Kirsten and I have been blessed just to be here and to be part, just partaking with you guys, worshiping the Lord. So we're very thankful for that. Um, the, uh, I, I was born in a country, some, uh, some of you in the congregation have gone and ministered uh, in, uh, I was born in Lima, Peru. And, uh, and uh, when I was about three years old, my, uh, well, my mom had come here before, and she'd left my brother and me there, and then she had us brought here um, via the, the long routes of Mexico. So we, uh, we did that, and... Uh, um, you're, you're legal, right? I am legal now. Okay, just make sure we get that out in the if, open. If I had been saved and able to, I would have told my mom no. You know, just, you need to, I'm going to obey that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, we... Um, so I uh, uh, came here when I was about three years old. So uh, I, I speak Spanish fluently still. My mom taught me Spanish. But uh, so grew up in uh, uh, Panorama City, uh, Sepulveda area. It's kind of center of the San Fernando Valley. That's where Grace Community Church is. But it was kind of a, it was kind of a, a rough area. So by God's grace, he preserved me and my, my family. Um, went to, started going to school, doing all the normal things a kid does. I was sort of one of those... Uh, latchkey kids, if you will. I, my parents both worked. It was sort of a first immigrant family, and so I basically did whatever I wanted whenever I wanted, and uh, that was not a good thing. <laughs> I think I was confessing to, to Ken the other night some of my, my early pyromania and some of the trouble that got me into. He, he was a troubled child. When you go to your garage and pull out everything that's like extremely flammable and mix it all together and then light it on fire, yes, that's a trouble. That's, that, that's that a problem trouble. child. That's the mania on the end of Pyro. It's a miracle he's even sitting here today. <laughs> it really is. Oh, man, the Lord is, is kind and gracious. Um, so uh, so we, um, uh, I, I met a, a friend of mine. He's still my friend, and actually he just recently came to know the Lord about a year and a half ago. It's, it's really an amazing story. But he, I met him in, in sixth grade, and uh, you've all played the recorder in elementary, right? So that was my first instrument. Before then, I, I used to dance all the time. I thought dancing was fun. And that was, I didn't know that I would be musical, but when I started playing the recorder, I just kind of, hey, this is kind of fun, figuring that out. And so I started, this other kid, his name was Caesar. he also was pretty musical, and he played guitar. So we'd show up at school every day and kind of, uh, hey, I, learned, I figured this out. And, you know, it, it built a friendship. And over that month, he, at the end of that month, he said, hey, come to church with me. So I, I was a little, I was in sixth grade. I thought I was in junior high. It was sixth grade. I tagged along with his older uh, sister to the high school group at Grace Community Church. And uh, 
I remember, I, I clearly remember sitting down and seeing the games and the visitors, all, all the typical things you see in a youth group, but then hearing the, uh, Walter Crutchfield teach on the first chapter of uh, the Gospel of John. And now I had been Roman Catholic, you know, very, very nominal Roman Catholic um, growing up, as most Hispanics are. And I just still remember, I did not know, well, this, was my, this was my response, I didn't know that Christ was God. I had no clue. You, know, you don't know anything if you haven't read the scriptures, haven't been taught. And I remember walking away thinking, I, I didn't know you could understand the scriptures. That was just it was amazing to me. I still remember uh, just that sense of, of almost awe and wonder, even as an unbeliever. So I kept coming on and off over the next two, three years. And over that time, as many of you have experienced, God starts to uh, sort of uh, quicken your soul, right? He teaches you. He teaches your mind. He starts to inform you through his word of the elements of the gospel, your depravity, your sinfulness, uh, who God is, his holiness, the need for a Savior because of our wretchedness uh, before the Lord. And, and the, the capstone of all that was sort of a, uh, the, uh, the year before uh, high school, between ninth and 10th grade, I was put into a discipleship group. Uh, and uh, the discipler, uh, some of you may, may or may not know uh, Tom Shuck. He was a missionary in India for a few years. And uh, he had us memorize and study parts of, well, we studied Romans, but he had us memorize like uh, chapter 6 and and uh, don't, don't ask me to quote it. I, it's been 25 years. Um, but uh, I, in that process over the summer, the Lord just convicted me of sin. I mean, how can you not, right? You read Romans 1, you read Romans 3, you know, for there's none good, not even one. And I just stared at that, and, and I thought I'd been kind of, I was kind of a nice kid, even though I got in trouble a lot. I, I had nice sentiments, if you will. And God just, you know, I, I tried to be nice to people when I wasn't trying to burn their houses down. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's amazing how we latch on to any goodness that we might perceive in our life, right? And the Lord just made it absolutely evident and clear, without a doubt, that I was a sinner who deserved hell, deserved the eternal punishment because I had sinned against an eternal and holy God. And so uh, the Lord used that to save me, and, and uh, I began high school as a believer, and uh, it's been a—I met my wife in the high school ministry, so that was a, a blessing. So uh, tell us about, um, and, and, and just so you know, so Spent uh, got saved through the ministry of Grace Community Church and has spent the last 20, 25 years sitting under John MacArthur's um, preaching and uh, serving there uh, in, all, in various ministries um, and uh, also uh, has been working at Grace to You, uh, which is John MacArthur's radio ministry. Uh, as a sound engineer and, and kind of worked his way up. Tell us a little bit about what you do, um, the job that you're going to be leaving, uh, that you, what, what have you been doing at Grace to You? Sure, yeah. Um, when I first started at Grace to You, I was all of 21 years old, and I wasn't even through, um, I wasn't even through community college yet at that point, and uh, they needed someone who could speak Spanish uh, and could do audio and and was somewhat theologically trained, and, and Ken and I, uh, my first job was as a custodian at, at Grace Church, and the joke is that was sort of the underground seminary, as, as you've called it. So I would hang around these seminary students, and they'd be talking about, you know, are you amillennial, postmillennial, supermillennial? I mean, they had all kinds of terms, right? Um, and, and I just, so that was my experience. So by God's grace, through that and, and John's teaching, I had that sort of uh, skill set. 
So I started working for the Spanish Ministry of Grace to You, and that started with basic editing, and then I progressed to editing and doing the uh, all the uh, the mixing for the radio, and and as you know, with digital tools, as you become more efficient, that freed up some time. So I started getting into into doing Photoshop and website content management for the Spanish uh, side of what we did. Um, so I did that for about I want to say 13 years, and uh, the Lord just it was it was a great time, and and that ministry has actually gone into uh, all of uh, the Spanish-speaking part of Latin America, um, Mexico, Spain. I mean, it's reaching over 500 million Spanish speakers in the world, so that's really exciting and, and it's very much needed. And I did that for 13 years, and then um, the gentleman who mixed the radio broadcast that many of you probably listen to during the week, he was retiring, and uh, so they needed to find someone, and I'd already been mixing, so they hired me to do that and had, had me transition to that uh, role. And so I started mixing the broadcast. Uh, and, and what I do, um, in some ways it's simpler than what I did for Spanish, but it requires a little bit more uh, um, refinement and diligence as far as making sure nothing gets through because everything's scripted, but sometimes uh, you know it might be a late night for Carl. And so I, I recall one time uh, he said... Uh, he was supposed to say, you know, the call back, call us for the, uh, in the Q&A line at 661, but instead he said, uh, call us at 666, which is, you know, <laughs> slightly problematic. So, you know, trying to catch those mistakes, um, uh, maybe cut, cut half the us out, stuff like that. But, uh, uh, yeah, so doing that and uh, making, we, had, we have a seven, um, seven uh, versions, so we have short, long, and international, so we want to make sure the people in Britain aren't getting the Canadian version. I'm sure they'd, you know, get offended at each other or something, but, um, so yeah, just, so I'm doing that and um, auditing, and, and then I, do, I train some of the, uh, the uh, editors, because we, we have a content editor, and that tends to be a seminary student, so... Um, we we get some turnaround in that. So me and another gentleman, we tend to train them and, and help them out with editing. So that that's what I'd be leaving. Yeah. So uh, if you listen to one hundred five point seven K KHCB, yeah, uh, nine o'clock during the week, right? That's when John MacArthur comes on. So Chris was the last guy that touched that uh, broadcast before it went out. So um, if you hear anything wrong with it, it's his fault. Okay. So you can email me. <laughs> For two and a half weeks. <laughs> so, uh, and, and just real quick, uh, you mentioned the fact that, that you haven't been to seminary, and, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, we didn't have that as a criteria uh, for the guy that we would hire for this position, that, that he'd been to seminary, but uh, just to encourage you guys, um, you know, Chris mentioned that Tom Shuck, uh, a guy we used to support in India, um, used to disciple Chris um, when he first got saved. And, and Tom Shuck was no slouch when it came to discipling high school kids. Um, he would have them read books like John Piper's The Pleasures of God. That's the one that most people don't know about. Everybody's heard of Desiring God. Well, The Pleasures of God is even deeper <laughs> and harder to read than Desiring God. And then he also had him reading uh, uh, Mortification of Sin by John Owen, the Puritan John Owen. <laughs> So uh, these are the kinds of books that Chris cut his teeth on just as a new believer in high school. And then, of course, he's been um, sitting under sound preaching for uh, possibly the finest expositor alive today uh, for 25 years. And, um, and, he, and, I, and I'm, I'm serious when I talk about it. He, he attended the underground seminary at Grace Community Church. And if you served on custodial staff, 
all they did when because they, they would work those all nighters, mm -hmm. you know, re, re, turning over the all the classrooms and everything, and they would discuss theology the entire time, and uh, and so you learned a lot as a custodian. And some of the custodians, seriously, the lay guys in the church that had never been to seminary were as sharp as the seminary students uh, because of the conversations. And and I think once you if you ever have an opportunity to talk with Chris about theological things and and biblical matters. Uh, you will be encouraged and blessed by his knowledge of, of God's word and, 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 and the application of it uh, in, in our lives. So, Chris, tell us, um, you know, you're, you've been married, uh, what, 16 years? Is that uh, 16 right? in June, yeah. And have three children? That's tell right. Tell us a little bit about your family. Absolutely. So I met my lovely bride, Kristen, in, in the high school ministry. So in a sense, we're high school sweethearts, right? Um, and... Uh, uh, but uh, we we got married uh, in 1999, and so we will be uh, June 12th. We'll be 16 years, and it's gone by really fast. It's been wonderful, um, and uh, I remember, uh, you know, it's funny. They, they, I was in the middle of school, uh, working full time, going to school full time, and I thought, man, we get married, you know, how's this going to work? Is it going to even? make things harder, you know, I mean, you ask those questions, right? I mean, I didn't know. I was all of 21, and we got married, and my grades immediately, you know, improved. <laughs> Everything got better. I mean, that's just the reality. You marry a godly woman, you marry up, it just, it, it's, it's a good thing. So, um, so yeah, we, we spent the first uh, few years, I think we spent the first few years, her waiting for me to kind of finish growing up, because I was one of those last few kids, right? And um, and uh, it was a it was a sweet time, and uh, uh, so we've got uh, three kiddos. They're eleven, nine, and seven. So girl, boy, uh, girl. Their names are Eliana, um, Ian, and Adeline. And uh, they're uh, they're a handful, and it's probably my fault. And they probably get that from me, but uh, they're, they're they are a blessing. They 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 uh, they uh, we're we're excited to um, you know not not all the time, but in the past, it's just as we've sat down as a family. For me, it's a blessing to be able to, uh, to teach them and, and to go through things. Some, and not all the time, but sometimes we'll go through, hey, what, what are the fruit of the Spirit? And just for me, it's, it's foreign to my childhood, so it's really neat. And um, So, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, okay. Tell us, uh, you know, you're happily married, raising a family, have a really good job at Grace to You, and you have tons of ministry opportunities at, at, at Grace Church to use your musical gifts and talents. Um, what, what was it, uh, I mean, how, just explain to us your, your call, God's call on your life to full-time ministry uh, as, as you begin to think and pray with Kirsten about um, doing this full-time. Absolutely. Um, you know, that's probably one of the hardest things for us to discern is God's will in our life. Um, we're, we're, without being mystical, you're trying to figure out what would God have of us. He, um, and that's for each one of us in whatever ministry we do. And, and you're right, it wasn't as if we weren't already ministering. There was ministry opportunity that we had, and it was a blessing. But, you know, as, as our kids have gotten older, um, I, I realize that one of the, you know, if, you, if, you do, if you're not doing anything at the church, you still have a ministry. I mean, if you're just coming on, your ministry is your family, right? And I, I just realized that, you know, our kids are getting older, I'm doing a lot of music stuff. I'm working, you know. So maybe something has to give here. I I, I love doing what I do in music, but um, and it's been growing and 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 uh, but you know maybe I need to. Uh, and I talked to my wife. I said, you know, honey, I I really uh, 
I love you and I love the kids and, and I'm seeing this sort of tension here and I, and I want to be wise and I want to honor the Lord and, and, and I need to be home more, I think. So maybe I'm thinking maybe if I back off, I'm willing to do that if that's what the Lord would have. I'm, 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 I'm content. You know, that was a really hard place to come to because the last four years, my heartbeat has been growing more and more for music. You know, the last four or five years has, has been sitting under good teaching and been able to get, I've been given the freedom to develop a little bit more of what, what a biblical philosophy of music looks like and implement it in our, in our fellowship group in Dulas. I've just loved it more and more. You know, we've, we've had uh, guys I've played with for many years and, and seeing them grow and try and implement what is it like to wash someone's feet because in the end that's what we're doing. That's hopefully the attitude is I, I want to be like my Savior and I want to wash people's feet when I do music. It's not about me, right? So as that's been growing and, and that heartbeat, at the same time, uh, I felt that sort of crush of responsibilities and I, and I told my wife, you know, hey, I, I'm... It'd be really hard, but I'm willing to, to back off for a season because after that season's done, I'm ready to go and uh, go full bore. And um, she, she was the first person um, who, who basically said, well, I don't know if she was the first person, but she said, you know, honey, I'd hate for you to do that. I see how it, it, you are able to encourage and minister to people. And I'd, I really think you need to keep doing it. And that's when we started talking and praying about what God might have and, and even considering uh, changing, you know, what we do. And uh, we started praying about it, talking about it. And in the midst of that, my heartbeat just even grew stronger for music. Uh, we were training some kids coming out of the master's college. They were integrating, and it was kind of sort of our alternate group and teaching them. They, they were uh, more classically trained, so we wanted to infuse some of that and, and because, because there's a lot of really neat elements to classical music. So how do you blend that into contemporary music? And it was just a blast and, and just to disciple them to the extent that I could. Um, but uh, but finally, we came to a decision uh, in December. We thought, you know what, this is. We've been talking and praying and 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 just uh, thinking through it in our life, and the Lord has been sanctifying us and and uh, refining our thinking. And so that's what we prayed. And in December, we made a decision. You know what, we need to start looking for a time because we weren't going to look for you know five or six years. We just we were going to sort of give it to the Lord and 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 see. Hey, what will the Lord do? Otherwise, I'll be content, and, and we'll, I'll take a break for a season. And literally, I want to say, what, two months later, or, or after December, was it about that you contacted me, and, and, uh, and uh, we were just were thinking, wow, this is amazing. Uh, I can't believe this is an opportunity exists. So um, the, the Lord is good. Tell us a little bit about how your, your band that you had, mm-hmm. um, God's, Godspeed, God, right? Yeah. And uh, just your dreams and aspirations to go to, to Nashville and make it big and how God really totally changed your guys' perspective and direction about serving yeah. in the local church. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've always enjoyed, um, you know, from fairly young, I've enjoyed trying to write music or compose it or arrange it. And I, I sort of at, you know, 20... I don't know, maybe 24, 25, I, I was just thinking, you know, I'd really like to write more music. And it seems like the way you do that is you go and you produce a CD and you make it as a Christian artist somehow. And then you, you know, you go uh, the Nashville maybe. And, and then, then, you know, you can spend your, all your days writing music. And, you can, and that was my passion. I wanted to write music for the Lord. Um, but as we started to delve into that, we realized that there was a lot of um, 
potential pitfalls and, and some serious challenges with that. Um, being married and having a family, we started talking to some of the artists who were out there, um, some who had done very well, you know, come to find one of them and say, I haven't been to church in six months. You know, that's not a healthy thing, right? I mean, if, if you can avoid it, I mean, maybe some people don't have an option, but in general, how, how do you plug in locally to a body? How can you bear one another's burdens? How can you be held accountable? I mean, you just start going down the list of, you know, problems and challenges with that. And then we found that um, just uh, the theology was kind of all over the place. Uh, really, it, it's, it was outside of any uh, scripture-ordained uh, authority and accountability like we have with the elders and the deacons and inside a church body and with one another. So uh, we saw that and we thought, you know, maybe this isn't the way. Uh, and the interesting thing about it is God did use that sort of as a crucible because we had to practice a lot, you know, because when you're trying to make it, you have to, everything has to be, you're basically competing. And um, so we, we, we kind of took a break and, and we, I started actually one by one, we started kind of falling into this uh, rotation of, of serving in music back, I want to say, what, six, seven years ago, honey? Something like that, something like that. And uh, we started doing that, and uh, through that process, I started realizing, hey, this is, this is the right way to do this. This is what God would have, and, and if, this is what it, if it's just this on Sunday mornings, you know, that's okay. That's, this is wonderful, and, and it became such a blessing for us, and we saw that distinction between what maybe what's sort of become a corporation, if you will, sort of the business way of doing it, as opposed to let's just serve in the church. And it's been such a blessing ever since. So why don't you tell us uh, just briefly what is your philosophy of music ministry and how it fits into the local church? I mean, what do you feel like the role of a music minister is? I'll try to be brief. If, if, forgive my application. Send, send me all the word corrections because that was written at two in the morning at some point. So, uh, um, but yeah, the um, I, I think if I were to sum it up, I, I think we can sum it up most succinctly with that passage from John: "We worship in spirit and truth." You know, there's nothing mentioned of music in that passage. It, it hasn't really; it's absent. And worship, in the end, is. Um, the truth of God and the gospel, if you really, it begins with the gospel, uh, quickening man's heart, and then it results in a life that loves and adores God and, and results in obedience, right? Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And so really for me, that's where my philosophy begins. It begins really, I, I start away from music because music becomes then an adornment to worship. In other words, uh, you know, we, we sing songs, um, Jesus paid it all. We're going to sing it this morning. Um, and when you sing that, you sing it with conviction and power and, and, and passion because it's, it's a passionate truth. Jesus did pay it all. He, he, you know, he took our sin. And so just how we paint um, all the other things we do musically, you know, as far as the chord changes, as far as what instruments we use, when we go up high, when we go down, that's all going to, in, in the end, submit to that principle that, of what worship is. And so that, that's really, I think, for me, the beginning principle when it comes to uh, uh, worship in the church. And then you, you look at music and you think, okay, well, what do I do now musically, right? And um, so for, for me, uh, it, it starts 
uh, with hopefully an attitude of worship, and that would be an attitude of humility, an attitude of wanting to serve as, as far as my service. And even that would be, I think, the expectation for all of us because the other side of worship is, is that we're all doing it, right? When we come congregationally, uh, you look at uh, Colossians 3.16, uh, where to let the truth of God dwell richly in us, so that, and, and what, what follows in all wisdom, so we sing to one another, one another um, the psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and there, that calls to all of us. So in the end, we're really singing to one another. And so that, for me, that practically informs me that, number one, if we're going to let the truth of God do richly, songs have to, we should strive for them to be truth-packed. We really want to be singing truthful things about the Lord when we adore him. We, we, we don't want to, in a sense, fall into even, uh, if you call it, light idolatry, right? We, wanna, we want to honor God for who he is and, who he, and how, what he said about himself, his testimony about himself. And, uh, and then it also says, sing to one another. So practically speaking, that would mean that it's songs that we can sing to one another. So in other words, uh, for, for over the last four or five years, it's, I've been thinking through, oh, okay, we did this song. It was really hard for people to sing. And so there's been some trial and error, and I think that's always the case with, with music. And so we, we made a decision. Maybe we'll change that. Maybe we'll bring the key down a little bit lower, or maybe we won't do that song, or we'll figure out a simpler way to sing it. So just kind of striving to, how do I help the congregation? How, how do I help you guys sing unto the Lord and sing to one another? Because we're commanded to do both. We're commanded in both Colossians 3.16 and in Ephesians, we're commanded, uh, we sing to the Lord and we sing to one another. And those are inextricable in a congregational setting. So, and that's, that's what I'm excited about. And it takes time, it takes thinking, but uh, it's, I'm excited to serve in that capacity. So what, what would, how would you say, um, just expand a little bit, what, what are you most excited about to be able to be a full-time music minister in a local church? I mean, what, 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 what gets you most excited about that? Well, you know, before I just, like I was saying, my, my heartbeat for music ministry was growing, and I just didn't have as much time as I would have liked. And so I'm really excited to be able to devote more time um, you know, first of all, you know, typically you might think uh, I'm excited to play music, and, and I am excited to play music. I mean, absolutely. But in many respects, I'm really excited about diving into just fellowship and discipleship because everything we're going to do on a Sunday morning is, in, in the end, is going to be a reflection of our lives. And so I'm excited about the discipleship aspects of teaching, of um, helping people think through why are, why are we playing what we're playing? Why are we doing what we're doing? And that's going to come from why am I living the way I'm living? Why am I making the choices I make on a day-to-day basis? And a holy and godly life will only result, hope, you know, hopefully, in, in a, a servant attitude that will result in, in a worship that's acceptable to the Lord on a Sunday. And it's not just, a, hey, I'm putting my game face on on a Sunday morning, but rather it's an extension, an expression. So I'm excited about ministry as far as discipleship. And then to see the culmination of that, hopefully, on a Sunday morning and see everyone serving and, and the musical aspects, rendering glory to God, trying to, you know, giving him our best. He deserves our best, not our second. So. Okay, I think this is the, uh, the $100 question for every music minister is, um, you know, we know in the, in the local church today there's lots of um, discussion and uh, and, and oftentimes disagreement about musical styles. Um, 
you know, are we traditional? Are we contemporary? Lots of churches, um, it seems like the popular thing to do is just to have two separate services and let's have a traditional service, let's have a contemporary service, and uh, let's let our people decide which one they prefer to go to. Um, just curious about wh- wh- how would you speak into that if somebody came to you and said, uh, hey, we, we, uh, we're thinking about you know, trying to accommodate the, the different preferences in our body. Uh, we've got some, some people that prefer traditional music. We've got some people that prefer contemporary music. We're thinking about making two separate services. Um, so that's just another way of saying, what, what do you think about all that stuff? And what is your personal uh, musical preference? Um, or whatever you like. I mean, <laughs> that's a good answer. <laughs> you know, Ken is the worship leader, right? He's the one who brings the word to us. I, 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 I'm an extension of that. But uh, um, the, um, I, I think, I think if that's the mindset, the danger is that you're finding unity in music and not in Christ. Um, I think. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians, no, Romans. Romans 14 speaks to, um, speaks to giving preference to one another, right? And, and, and just the freedom and, and the freedoms we have as, as believers and, and how we work that all out. But I, I really think um, what is worshipful to God is the humility that we demonstrate and the service and love we, re- we demonstrate to one another as we you know, give preference and, and, and serve one another and strive to be united in what we do. Um, I, I really, um, and that's sort of my, my heart behind it, is, is I'm not here necessarily for my own agenda, and, and I really don't want the musicians to be there for their own agenda. Our first agenda is a, is a render service to God. It's a, it's, a, it's a service of worship unto the Lord. And the, and the second is to, is to serve you guys. But in, inside of that, understanding that there's going to be there's going to be something we end up doing, and it's maybe not everything is going to be exactly how one person might imagine it versus another person. But understand that in my heart, my heart is to serve, is to, is to and there may be times when that might be appropriate, you know. But in general, I think I'm a strong believer in a unified service. It just it it speaks to Ephesians four, right? We're we're, we're one church, one faith, one Lord, one Spirit. So that's that's important to me. Yeah, yeah. I always, uh, as I drive around and look at different church church signs, and you see them like I do, and it it has that, you know, you know, eight o'clock traditional service because that's typically the people that are older and they wake up earlier, and so they go to the traditional service, and then the contemporary service is like two thirty in the afternoon when people are all the young people are rolling out of bed, right? No, I'm just kidding. But but it's it's interesting to me that that a that a church leadership would divide their church over a preference issue, over a secondary issue, instead of leading their body to defer to one another in love and to realize it's not style that should mark uh, who we are as a church, our musical, um, uh, our music ministry, it's, it's lyrics. That's what should drive a church's music ministry is what are, they, what are the words that we're singing, whether it's, you know, played with a, you know, uh, an organ or a banjo, you know, or an electric guitar or a saxophone or whatever. It, it, that's irrelevant. What, what matters is, the, is, is, is what we're singing true. 
Are the, are the lyrics biblical? Are we letting the word of Christ richly dwell within us? That's what matters, right? And so even if Chris pulls out some, you said your favorite, your, your, your preferred preference is, uh, your preferred preference? Your preference is uh, metal mariachi? That's just, uh, metal mariachi. That's, I'm going to try it out, see what so, you guys think. <laughs> I'm not sure what that'll sound like, but heavy metal and, and mariachi music together, that could be a scary combination. I'm going to have to go to another church, Chris. I'm not sure. <laughs> hey, tell us, uh, just tell us real quickly and we'll wrap this up. What are, who are some of the maybe um, authors, um, pastors, um, people who have really made the biggest impact on, you know, what you believe and how you live? Um, who, 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 is, who has God used to shape your life? Sure. Um, I'm really bad with authors' names, but I, I, I'll tell you the books. Um, probably, well, I mean, Pastor John MacArthur. I mean, there, there's sitting under his teaching, and, and the men, you know, like Ken, who was there as a, as a high school uh, minister for, for many years, just sitting under that teaching. And, and, you know, John has been very, hey, you know what? I'm just going to teach the Word of God. I'm going to be faithful. Spent, what, 40 years? Uh, and, and the commentary set just got finished or, or something. And uh, that's been, I, I think for me, his life, being at Grace to you, I, I see him in the studio. You know, it's soundproof. No one, you know, he's free to say whatever he wants. And he's the same man he is in the pulpit that he is outside of the pulpit. And I've really just been ministered to in my life by his life. Um, uh, uh, when I was in, in Dulas, um, uh, th- there was a pastor there, Travis Allen. He's in Colorado now. And, and he also just was a, a man who loved the Lord. And uh, um, he... Uh, you know, he was actually in a similar situation where he was um, he was working at Grace to You as a full time guy, and then basically he was doing full time pastoring as well. And and just to see his life, and and I wanted to be more like that, and and just the way he thinks about things. Uh, and he really actually played a big influence in, in as he preached through Ephesians um, five on my thinking about music and, and music in the church. So that was actually a really big influence. Uh, the book on worship that John has written. Um, outside of Grace Community Church, uh, uh, well, there's there's a book that it's it's kind of, it's kind of a, a, a weird book in a sense to say a book that has impacted you because it's it's a it's sort of an academic book, but it's uh, Roy B. Zuck has written a book called Basic Bible Interpretation, and the reason is why it's been so impactful for me because it's the first book that kind of gave me uh, the the hermeneutic tool set to be able to understand the scripture. So it, it, more effectively than I had before. So that was a really vital book to me just because, again, I, I love going back to the Scriptures, uh, the, and I, I want to understand them. And the more you, you do that, the more you realize when you start reading other books that people have written, you realize, oh, wait a second. I, I, I see where they're getting this. I, I'm understanding this because they went through the same process of how do I interpret Scripture, how do I interpreted properly, and uh, so that was a really impactful book for me. Um, there is a book, uh, I forget the author, but I, I should know it. It's a, it's a German name, uh, Leading with Love. Is that Dietrich Bonhoeffer? No, it's not Bonhoeffer. Are you talking about Alexander Strock? Yes, Strock, that's what it is. Um, that was a really, really good book. I, I just, again, that, uh, I, I think the thing that impacted me from that book 
probably the most. He spent a lot of time in, John, in the Gospel of John, just that idea that you know, Jesus just, again, constantly exemplifying what love looked like. I mean, the Savior, the Creator, my Creator washed someone's dirty feet, <laughs> right? And, and then later, a chapter later, it says, now you are to love one another as I have loved you. And just, so just these, his really exemplifying that, that humility and that love that's behind leadership was a really big deal to me because I think, I think uh, and we're all, you know, exposed to this. The world has a different idea of what leadership looks like. And so I really appreciate that a lot and just the servanthood aspect and, and the humility and the love that should be a part, intrinsic part of uh, biblical leadership in the church. Uh, I'm sure there's others. Uh, I can't think of any right now. But, uh, well, I didn't know that you had, uh, we're going to say leading with love, but we read that book together as elders and pastors a few years ago and absolutely loved it. Yes. And uh, so that's good to know that we're on the same page with that, yeah. with that particular book. Real quick, one last question. I know you're a history buff. Um, oh, no. And, and, uh, and uh, so what are, what are some other, just in your spare time, and you're kind of a nerd too when it comes to, like tech stuff, you know, I'm a little by, by your own admission, right? You're, you're going to the, uh, you could be, you could work for the geek squad at, at uh, oh. Best Buy, right? I'm a practical nerd. So, so hey, what, are, what are some uh, you know, things you like to do with your spare time, free time, hobbies, um, interests, things like that? Yeah, you know, um, I used to play, uh, I used to play soccer all the time until I, I kind of, I think I just slightly dislocated my hip, so I stopped doing that. But apparently I, I need to become a football fan is what I'm told, right? All right. Well, LA doesn't have any football teams, so it'll be really easy for me, for me and Kirsten. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So we. Uh, so I. I. I, uh, I love playing playing sports. Uh, although, as Ken and I have talked, we have to do it with more wisdom these days. Um, and I love reading history. About um, ten years ago, I started. Uh, I was reading through, through the Gospel of Matthew, and I just. It kind of occurred to me what was going on in the world when, the, when this was happening. So that's what kind of got me started. And so I, I've read all kinds of history books. I'm not necessarily an expert, but I've just enjoyed reading and seeing um, uh, really God's mercy through all that because at one point I got kind of depressed. <laughs> I'm reading all these books. And I'm like, this is just sin and sin and more sin and sin on big levels and little levels. So, and, and so... Uh, but, but I have enjoyed that. There's, I think there's a lot of wisdom to be gleaned from history books. I've, I've read um, ancient history, European history, uh, American history. Oh, this, this is great. Can, can I tell them about the Alamo story? <laughs> so sure. we're, we're sitting there at Shepherd's Conference. At, was it at Shepherd? I think it was at Shepherd's Conference. And he starts telling me about the Alamo and the story. And he goes, he goes oh, wait a second, Chris. You're not Mexican, are you? <laughs> Hey, I thought we had to get that out on the table at the very beginning. Hey, listen, if you're coming to Texas, there's a story called the Alamo, and uh, it, it doesn't paint you guys in a real good light, and, and so you've got to be okay with this. He goes, I'm from Peru. I'm like, okay, we're good then. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different continent, so we're good, man. <laughs> so, I, yeah. um, I, hey, I remember reading about uh, um, I'm gonna, Jim Bowie, right? Jim Bowie, yeah, Jim Crockett. Bowie. Oh, yeah. So. so anyway, so if you like history, you'll connect with him. And at the same time, he can uh, turn around and read some uh, technical, you know, computer manual or some sound uh, engineering thing and figure that sure. all out as well. So sure. just a multi, multi-gifted, multi-talented guy. So anyway, well, hey, we've got, uh, Lord willing, years to get to know this uh, dear couple. 
and their, and their three precious kids that will be coming here June 9th is uh, the day that they're to arrive. And so I just want to encourage you to be praying uh, for them. Uh, they're going to be flying home this afternoon, and uh, they got about two and a half weeks to wrap up uh, life there in L.A., and uh, they're going to put their house on the market, and so we're going to be praying that God will help them to get the maximum amount of equity out of that so that they can come here and, and uh, buy a nice home and settle down and put some roots down here. And, um, and uh, so, anyway, encourage you guys to just be praying for them and, and uh, go out of your way just to make them feel at home here in, in, at, at Lakeside and uh, help them settle in. So why don't I just pray and uh, ask the Lord's blessing on them. Father, thank you for blessing us, Lord, as a church with uh, Chris and Kirsten and their family. Uh, Lord, when we began this search, uh, we would never expected uh, it to go so quickly uh, and to have you answer our prayers, Lord, so uh, so much uh, beyond what we could have asked for or imagined. And I just get the sense, God, that you've been preparing uh, Chris and, and uh, just just saving him for us here at Lakeside Bible Church uh, all these years. And uh, just to see him uh, have a platform where he can just uh, explode in ministry and his giftedness and his passions have a place to be expressed and uh, gifts have a place to be utilized for the kingdom full time lord we're we're blessed that it's here at lakeside and so uh, we pray for them uh, as they travel home today that you would grant them safety and and uh, that these next two and a half weeks lord you would grant them grace as they uh, tie up all the the loose ends there and and uh, get their house ready to put on the market and uh, just say goodbye to friends and family and lord i just know it'll be a a sad time uh, in many ways so just grant them grace uh, and uh, lord that uh, as they come here that that we would be able to be used by you to, uh, to, to just embrace them with great love and uh, appreciation, and Lord, that uh, we'd help them to be able to settle in quickly here, and uh, Lord, that we would um, embrace them, Lord, as the body of Christ here in Texas, and uh, Lord, that we could uh, learn to love one another and to serve together, and uh, that uh, you would just bless us with a long and happy, um, blessed uh, ministry together here uh, at this church. And so uh, we just thank you for your faithful provision for for us and the Delagolas. And um, we, we look forward to seeing how you're going to uh, bless in this new chapter in the life uh, of this church and, and a new chapter in their lives as well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.